Hi everyone and welcome to Las Musas Podcast. My name is Ana Siqueira. I'm the author of Bella's Recipe for Success and If Your Babysitter is the Bruja. And today I'm joined by Mariana Rios. And we will be talking about Santiago's Dinosaurs. I would like you to tell us a little bit, Mariana, about your book, so we can start with that. Well, first of all, thank you, Anna, for hosting this this chat uh, for Las Musas podcast. I'm very happy to be able to share about the book. Well, Santiago's Dinosaurios is a book that is illustrated by the talented Diana Lugo, and it's going to be published by Albert Whitman and Company in October 22. Um, October 27th, actually. So it's a story about a boy named Santiago. He is a Mexican immigrant first grader who moved with his family to United States. And he's facing his first day of school in a new country without speaking English. So he's very concerned about how he's going to make new friends. So that's pretty much the premise and the story follows him through the day with various interactions he has with his classmates and teachers and how by the end of the day he feels very different about his struggles. That's great. I'm sorry that I said Santiago's dinosaur, Santiago's dinosaurus, right? I yeah. Love I love that you put dinosaurs on the, the title. I like that. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about your writer's life. Uh, when did it start? When did you start writing? How did you get an agent? Um, what was your process to get where you are now? Well, actually, Anna, I always loved writing. Since I was a girl, I loved uh, writing diaries. So I have several of those. And I also liked um, writing, for example, letters for my boyfriend, my, now my husband. So I, I always like uh, expressing myself with words. But I never thought that I would be a writer. Actually, I studied international business. So my love for writing was more like on the side. And in 2015, I started exploring the idea of um, started learning more about in courses about writing. And it was in 2018 that I actually began taking it even more seriously because I was um, having an online business before that. And I well, we closed it in December 2017. So now that I have more time, I started taking courses. And the first one I, I joined was uh, in a Storyteller Academy. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a course about picture book dummies. Mm-hmm. So it was fun. It was something really new to me. Uh, to be honest, I thought that writing for children was easier. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> this course put everything in perspective. And... The, also, the course helped me to realize that I was going to be a writer, like an author, not to pursue the illustration. And also there, it was where I met my first critique partners. And we are still, like four years after, uh, still together. So that was, that's been a, um, a great experience because we've been like growing together as writers. Mm-hmm. So besides that, I taken webinars. I've taken webinars um, from Writing Barn or SCBWI, which I joined. Then I got with more critique um, groups. 
And actually for Santiago's Dinosaurios, Ana, I didn't have an agent when I uh, got the, the opportunity to publish this book. I got my agent afterwards. But yeah, so that's kind of how, how I got here. The querying journey was long. I, I got the opportunity to query an editor for Santiago's Dinosaurios. And it actually was because of Latinx speech. Mm -hmm. So in September 2020, I participated in Latinx speech and editor Andrea Hall from Albert Whitman liked it. So I queried her. At first I was like worried because I didn't have an agent, but I decided to try it anyway. Mm -hmm. And here we are. So you first got the offer for, for the book, right, from your editor. And then uh, did you get an agent right away or it was after that? It was after that because I, um, when Andrea Hall was interested in the book, uh, she asked actually for a revise and resubmit. Mm -hmm. So I worked on that. And of course, on the side, I was trying to, to still get an agent uh, but it didn't work out that way. So by the time uh, we were advancing, she took the book to acquisitions because she liked the, the revise and resubmit I, I sent. So she took the book to acquisitions, they made the offer. And well, even without an agent, I I decided to, to go for it. I thought that it was a good opportunity and I really wanted the book to get to the hands of children. So uh, I actually met my agent in, well, I saw, um, in March, I participated in PITMAT mm. that year, 2021. That was the month that I signed my book deal for Santiago. Mm -hmm. And then about around May, Natasha Morris, she's my agent now from Tobias Literary Agency. And she contacted me asking for more stories. And by by the end of June, she wanted to have a call. And uh, in July, I signed with her. I got, um, I have to notify other agents that had manuscripts at the time. I mm -hmm. got another offer of representation in that period of time. And I decided to, to sign with Natasha. That's great. That's so yeah. A Thank good, you. Great, a good so it was through Pitmat. Yes, yes, my my agent was through Pitmat. She mm -hmm. liked it, but it was uh the book that is called Abuelita's Gift, and it's a book about um the traditional holiday of Dia de Muertos, Day of Dead in mm -hmm. uh, Mexico. So that's actually the book that she already negotiated the deal for. And the book is going to be published by Nof in fall 2024. And it's going to be illustrated by Sara Palacios. Oh, oh that is so great. I love Sara Palacios. Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled. Yeah, that be, this book has been announced already, right? Or no? Yes. Oh. Yes, that book has already been announced. That's great. So tell me a little bit more about Santiago's Dinosaurios. What was your inspiration? Why Dinosaurios? Tell me a little bit okay. about that story. Well, Anna, to tell you about that, I need to tell you that we, my family and I came to live in the United States from Mexico because of my husband's 
job at an international company. And that was in the summer 2016. And in that time, my boy had, uh, his name is Patricio. Uh, he, ha- he was five years old. My daughter was two. So we live this experience with him because he faced his first day of school in the U.S. without speaking English. So Santiago's dinosaurial story is inspired by this experience that my son and the whole family had because it was hard. I mean, it was moving to another country is complicated and Pato was old enough to miss his extended family because we were really close. And also he was missing his school and his friends. So for my for my daughter, she was so young that the mm-hmm. process was completely different. So yes, for, for the first months, uh, he struggled with the, with the language. He um, would use his hands to signal what he wanted and to try to mm-hmm communicate and after well he was his teachers were really really kind and patient and his classmates were sweet and welcoming so that was definitely something that was very uh, important in his development and he also had an English for on speakers of other languages like ESOL teacher that worked with him through fourth grade actually so that really helped make a difference so um, I used this experience because this was 2016 and the story I wrote was in 2019 actually so years had passed by and I was thinking that a lot of people go through this same situation with their kids Mm -hmm. especially now that the workforce relocates I have friends and cousins that have moved to other countries. So I thought that, you know what, this story will resonate. And a lot of children need to know that it seems like scary and frustrating not to be able to speak the language where they get into the place where they get. But it's going to be okay. You know, it's, yeah. it's going to be okay. It's going to take time and it's going to take hard work because they will need to learn a new language. But it's eventually they'll be able to do it and they are going to become bilingual or even multilingual depending right, on each kid. But So I thought that that it was a story worth sharing and that it would maybe help. And that's my wish that many kids around the world, even if it's not just Mexico and United States, you know, maybe it's a, a Chinese kid moving to France or to another country where they speak the other language that they will see themselves in the book and you know even they will see themselves as Santiago perhaps Uh or maybe they will see themselves as the classmate or friend that is going to be welcoming them and how kindness really makes a difference in this type of uh, struggles that kids are going through yeah so yes Anna that's that's what I hope that the kids reading the story will take away. Yes, it is very important. My my daughter, well, I came to United States. My son was eight and my daughter was four. And my daughter first didn't want to go to school because she couldn't understand them and they couldn't understand her. 
So it is a story that oh, so many people went through that. So it's a good a good uh, story for many, many kids to read, as you said, as either like as the kid who doesn't speak the language or as the kid who has a friend who doesn't speak the language, how they can help. So I think yeah. it's important. But why dinosaurs? <laughs> well, actually, when I started reading the story, Anna, the first drafts didn't have the dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. It was the story of the kid going through the struggles. Uh, but I started querying it. The name was even different. It was the new boy. That that was the, the name that I was using at the beginning. Mm -hmm. But I was getting rejections. And then I realized that the story of being the new kid, not done speaking the language, maybe something that was already done. So I needed to think of something more unique to add to the story. And that's when I thought about the dinosaurs because my son was a huge, well, he still is a huge fan. He still says he's in starting middle grade and he still says that he's going to be a paleontologist. So dinosaurs were a big part of his childhood. And I know that many kids are fans. Mm -hmm. So I thought that adding them to the story would be a, like another way or another hook for mm -hmm. kids to to be attracted to it and it actually worked. Um, the thing is at the beginning when I started with the dinosaurs, I changed the title to Santiago's Dinosaur Size Problem. And that's the, the name of, that the story had when I was screening it in the end. Um, so I, I was saying, for example, at the beginning, Santiago definitely has a dinosaur size problem. And as the story progressed, his problem was like, getting smaller until it was like he no longer has a, a dinosaur size problem. Mm -hmm. So when the book was acquired and I started working with my editor, Andrea Hall, she suggested, <clears throat> why don't we make it simple? And instead of using dinosaur sized problem, mm -hmm. we change it for different dinosaurs that can change the size as the story progresses so I really like that idea and I decided to give it a try and it helped in in the way of introducing more dinosaurs in the story mm -hmm. different species and also that visually the kids can see how his problem is actually getting less scary less yes shrinking in size and the illustrator made a great she created a great graphic mm -hmm. with all the dinosaurs in the story, and it actually became the end pages for the book. Oh, so I cannot yes. to see it. Yeah. Yes, I, I love I love that idea. And and so tell me a little bit about revisions then, because I think it's an important tip for aspire writings writers mm -hmm. to have that flexibility that you had to make that change. Like when you received the idea, did you like right away? Or at first you were like, I don't think so. How was the revision process? Well, actually, my revision process began with the revise and resubmit, which was before the story was acquired. Mm -hmm. okay. And Andrea told me that she really liked the story and that she thought that it mattered. And for me, that was really important, coming from several rejections, having someone believe in the in the story 
So um, what she wanted me to do was to add the ESOL figure teacher to the story, which I hadn't done before, Anna, because I, I, in the courses of writing for children that I had taken, they would say, oh, adults shouldn't solve the problems for the kids and kids should mm-hmm. figure it out. So I had that in my mind. And so it didn't occur to me to put the ESOL teacher in the story in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Although in real life it happens because my own son had one, you know. So when she mentioned that, it made a lot of sense to me. She allowed me to, well, she just said, I would like to have that in the book. She didn't say how anything. She just mm-hmm. told me explore that. So I took some weeks to tweak the story around because of course I had to take out some scenes and to rearrange in order to fit the scene with the teacher. But um, after I was happy with it, I ran it by some creative partners and I felt that it was working. I was satisfied and I felt that it was even more realistic because I'm mm-hmm. sure that many children have that type of resource at schools, which yeah. is wonderful. And I'm very, very grateful that my son had access to that support. So when I turned in the, the R&R, Andrea, well, she, she loved it. She thought it worked. She checked with the team and she ended up acquiring the story. So that was my first experience with editing with an editor, even when I was not yet, well, well the, the book was not um, bought yet. Mm-hmm. So when, when since it was a good experience for me, she was very open. She let me figure it out myself. So I was really, uh, I appreciated that a lot. So when she suggested the dinosaurs, um, I went along with it. I tried it, and I think that if I wouldn't have liked it, I would be able to say it, mm-hmm. you know? uh, but I really liked it, and I, it made the story clearer. It was easier to read that the kid has a brontos or brachiosaurus-sized problem than, oh, he has definitely a dinosaur-sized problem. So mm-hmm. in the kids' minds, I can see that it's easier to picture yeah. a dinosaur than a concept. Mm-hmm. so yeah then the problem was that I needed all the dinosaurs for that part to be um, well and I didn't figure it first because when I started uh, changing the story with the dinosaurs I began like oh he has a brachiosaurus size problem because that's the biggest dinosaur mm-hmm. but then I would say oh no he has a T-Rex and then he has a velociraptor and things like that. They mm-hmm. were decreasing. They were decreasing the size. But you know what, Anna? I asked my sister, "What do you think about this?" And it's funny because she said, "Well, you know, I like the dinosaurs in the story, but isn't that T. Rex more scary than a Brachiosaurus? Because even if the Brachiosaurus is bigger, it doesn't eat." people well you know it doesn't need meat mm-hmm. so maybe for a child it would be friendlier to have a brachiosaurus uh, friend than a t-rex so that's when i realized that for that to work i needed to think only of herbivorous dinosaurs without mixing the the carnivorous because otherwise 
this the, the problem would be getting smaller but scarier yeah, and yeah. i i didn't want that i wanted to be like more manageable for santiago mm -hmm. and to feel like oh it's getting better it's not that scary as i thought in the beginning so mm -hmm. that was fun to discover because i hadn't noticed it at first so um then when i talked to the editor we agreed that it was better and mm -hmm. it took me a, a while to research the right yeah. sizes of the dinosaurs. So I learned a lot in this process. <laughs> you could have got your son to teach you a little bit, right? Because he loves yes. the dinosaurs. Yeah. Okay, so now tell us a little bit about your second book. I know that you had already sold another book and uh, you got a two book deal, right? Mm -hmm. so tell us uh, a little bit about the deal and about the book. Well, the deal, um, as I said, the, the book is, um, it's called Abuelita's Gift, and it's a story based on the Dia de Muertos in Mexico, and it's a story about loss and grief, but it's also about the love that remains, in this case, uh, for the abuelita of the girl, and how you can keep that love alive by remembering them and honoring them and yeah, it's, I, I think it's, um, personally, I, I, I really like that story. Uh, I think it's emotional and that many people, well, I hope that it will resonate with many because we all miss someone, no? We all have mm -hmm. experienced the loss. So what I like about Dia de Muertos is that it's not a holiday in which you are sad, you know, or, or crying about the dead ones. But in the tradition is a day to honor and remember those that are gone so that they can, that they, that we keep their memories alive. So I wanted to share that about Mexico with, with readers. And I, I hope that, that they, they like it yeah. when, when the book comes out. Yeah, it's important for them to understand that it's different. I did at Dia de los Muertos with my students at school, and they had to do a shrine and all that stuff. So they learned that is there is no one way to to grieve or to celebrate the, the loved ones. So I think it's very important. So now let's talk a little bit about the future. What are your plans for the future? What are you planning to do? I want to, well, of course, I keep writing. I keep writing uh, picture books for the moment. And as I said, I'm working on a third book, but it's yet to be announced. And then I would like maybe the stories that I have to find also homes. And, and I would like to explore the chance of going into chapter books. Actually, I... When I write, I tend to use a lot of words. So sometimes I struggle to bring down the countdown for the picture books, which are more limited in, in words, and that you cannot be very descriptive because of the illustrations. So I tend to do that. And then I have to go back and revise and cut down. So I think that if I would like to explore, I actually have a, a story in mind that it started as a picture book, but it's not working because it needs like longer. Yes, it needs more pages than what a picture book can do. To and also the the main character is older, 
for what I for what I need her to do. So I, I already have that story that I would like to explore as a chapter book. So we'll see. I've I've already started. Uh, I got a course, for example, from Storyteller Academy about chapter books. Mm. So I haven't got into it, and I also bought another. Um, it's like a blueprint for chapter books. Mm -hmm. So I need to to start studying that craft in order to begin trying because right now I only have learned about picture books and as I said before that my major was international business so this is all very very new for me so I, I need to to get ready and prepare but yeah I, I would like to explore that change in genre and of course maybe keep on writing picture books because I really love them yeah. but open my horizons yes I'm trying to do that too. It's hard. It's hard to change from picture book to, to chapter book because now they start, oh, I you need some descriptions. I'm not used to descriptions anymore. <laughs> yeah, the rules must be different. Yeah. So tell me a little bit of uh, some tips for uh, uh, beginning writers, you know, aspiring writers and authors. Well, we all writers, but tell me some tips that you can give other writers on your process and things that you think you learned that uh, it's a good thing for other people to learn well the first thing that i that i tell them is that you need to find critique partners for me well even you have been my critique partner mm -hmm. and for me it's been a blessing really and also a big source of support not only for helping me make my stories shine you know sometimes I struggle with finding the right words and a critique partner might suggest one or oh I cannot um, know the word count there are many things so I like having these people in my corner that I can share with um, not just working in the revisions of the stories but also share the good news and the bad news because the that that part of the experiencing rejections is really hard, and I feel that you need a writer friend to really on that really can understand how you feel, because I have other friends that are not writers, but they cannot really grasp, you know, mm -hmm. how what's the feeling or the frustration of the rejections, and the rejections are part of being a writer, so it's better if you can share with people that understand. Also, I'd say that you need to read a lot of picture books. Well, if you're a picture book writer, or I guess that if you are any genre writer, you would benefit of reading about the genre that you are writing. And in case of picture books, it's good to know, I guess, what's out there, what's being sold, what's popular, maybe to realize what's overdone maybe right now or too much of that in the market but also it's interesting to see how other writers base the stories or how they develop the characters or the plots so I think that you can learn a lot by reading so I enjoy uh, I have I attend some book chats uh, within Marie actually by read your story and also I love getting books from the library with my kids, or even when my daughter brings books from school. So we like to have our story times. 
And it's nice to have that chance with her, but also I get knowledge, you know, about the, well, about the craft. So I like that. Um, another tip I'd say is there's a lot of resources for writers to develop their craft to improve. Um, there are courses by or in webinars by SCBWI or by Writing Barn or PB Chat. Like there are many, many resources out there and m many of them are free. So I'd say keep an eye to that and join the, the, the more webinars you can because it's some of them are with agents or with editors or with fellow writers that can share their experience. So there's always something to learn. And if they are free, well, it's a great chance to, a great opportunity to develop your craft. What else? Well, and write. And I think that the best way of becoming a better writer is by writing. And with the idea that maybe not all the stories that you write are going to get published, some of them might just help to to get out uh, of your yes of your mind certain certain things to put your words into the paper or but um, I think that writing and becoming better takes practice. So the more you do it, the more you will identify those things that need fixing, and you are going to start getting better at it. Yes, well, great tips. Thank you so much. So I think we are about to close. Anything else like you want to tell the listeners that you think it's important for, for them to know about you, your books or about anything? I would like to say those um, writers that are querying right now that I understand that sometimes that road is hard, but that is true that eventually if you keep at it, the yes is going to come because I was there and now my book is about to be published. So it's really a dream come true that sometimes seems far away. But if you keep at it and you improve and keep working, it eventually will will come. Sometimes it might be that you haven't written the story that is going to get you your agent or your first deal. So who knows? Just never give up and keep keep at it so i i would like them to to get that message and also i would like to to thank las musas and Ioana for all the support that i've received i'm very grateful about um well for my critique partners for my family my husband and children who are like my first readers uh oh, well of course to albert whitman for believing in this book for my editors, Andrea Hall and Iver Gabriel, and to the wonderful Diana Lugo, because she really added warmth and more heart to the story. And I am really thankful to everyone for believing in Santiago. And I hope that this story is going to touch children and that it will help them if they are in a struggle position or just a reminder of being the the kind friend because kindness has really no barriers. You might not understand this spoken language, but a smile, a thumbs up, or just trying to include someone else in the games that everyone can understand. And it makes a huge difference 
or kids going through this situation of being the new kids in faraway lands. Okay, Mariana, anything else you want to add? Um, yes, Anna, thank you. I would like to, to just say that in case you are interested in, in buying the book, that you can check out my website. And I have the links for different stores, including independent stores there. And there's also a link for signed copies if um, anyone is interested. So there's all the information is in my website, which is www.marianariorramirez.com. Mariana Rios Ramirez. Okay, okay. Thank you so much, Mariana. Thank you so much for coming, telling us a little bit about your story and your books. And I think it's time for us to say adios. Okay, so if you like to learn more about Las Musas or our books, please visit our website at lasmusasbooks.com or find us on social media at Las Musas Books. And be sure to check out our bookshop page where each purchase of one of our books will store supported independent bookstores. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, review, and subscribe whenever you listen to your podcast. You can also sign up for Las Musas newsletter to have podcast updates, as well as other Musa news such as release dates, teasers, spotlights, and more, delivered straight to your inbox. Thanks for listening.